hey, you're into the thing I'm into. Tell me, teach me, show me, show up, be respectful, laugh at yourself. All right, that's recording, you know that. <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. Sup, everyone? I'm Paul Clark. Sup, Paul? Welcome back to the podcast. It has been way too long since I've done a podcast. I feel a little rusty here, but it's been a good four months. Four months. I've been in the southeast of the United States, including Tennessee, North Carolina, Florida, and even a little bit of Mexico. Ah, four months. Yes, yes, yes. But it's good to be back in front of the mic talking with friends, fellow river enthusiasts, and content creators. In this episode, we're talking with Leela Winton. Don't say Layla. Leela is a raft guide, a river paddleboarding enthusiast, and just a fun person to be with. So without further ado, a voice from Appalachia, Leela Winton. Greetings, Paul. Greetings. How are you doing? I am excellent. How are you today? Fantastic. Are you in Asheville, North Carolina? I sure am. And what were I you, am. Were you on the water? Were you skiing? Were you riding mountain bikes? Were you racing? Were you uh, being a mom with your kid? What were you doing today? <laughs> today, I was a mom in the morning, but then I bailed and went surfing for four hours. River surfing. So, yes. I, I saw some of your social media pics. I loved them. Oh my gosh, it's so addictive. There's nothing else in my day that propels me through. Not food, not caffeine, just w until I can get out there again. It's like the, a countdown. <laughs> river, river surfing mm -hmm. in the mountains of Appalachia. Exactly. Something to do, you know? You don't have to shuttle. You just park right there. I am really looking forward to when we have one of those gorgeous man-made waves like they have all west, everyone seems to have. But we're making do on our really uh, manky temperamental, full of debris, river wave. We'll, real, we'll real river waves. Those uh, 12 plus river waves in Colorado are, uh, they're, they're, they're glossy and beautiful, but uh, they're not in very often. Years are in, I think, almost every day of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, we have something in every day of the year, it seems. Yes. Yeah, it seems, I mean, you can make something happen. If we're not going surfing, we're probably going paddling. There's always something running. We have free flowing rivers so there's something on and it's not often too low let's say to go so that's nice yeah it's really nice my son just uh, i told him not to distract me so he um, opened the door of the room i'm in and put the puppy in here oh hi doggy <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you have a you're, you're sharing your puppy images in social media as well as everything else that you're doing so i know that puppy you seem oh pretty my happy gosh, with she's it. She's so cute. She's so cute. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about SUP. Layla Winton, welcome to the podcast. Layla, <laughs> come on, get my name right. See, no, I did, so. that, I did that deliberately. <laughs> I did that deliberately. Uh, Layla, how many people say your name wrong? Like everyone. And it doesn't help that my, like, river nickname is Layla. No. You know, so whenever, you know, or if I do something really stupid, then I'm definitely Layla. But uh, yeah, um, people think that's my real name. It really, you know, like kind of makes me hate Eric Clapton. I think he like <laughs> took over the name and, you know, and I say, hey, my name's Leela. And they say, Leela. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, like, that's not what I said. What I yeah, said is yeah. Leela Winton. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> Thanks, Paul. I've been listening and I've been really wanting to be on for a while and we've been playing schedule tag. So this is a real honor to finally get to be on it and get to be your first one back. Yeah, it has been several months. I was just calculating it and it's uh, about four months since the last time I, uh, I talked on the microphone with a, a, a guest. So thank you for inspiring me to get back to this Sup Paul podcast. Yeah, I hadn't forgotten about you. No. I knew you hadn't forgotten about me. I appreciate that. We we <laughs> met uh we met almost a year ago uh paddling in your neck of the woods. I was I was in the area for uh family reasons and realized that there's some great white water near where I was in Nashville and went out your way and was really pleased to to see how strong the caliber of river paddleboarders are out there in the community and uh you know you're you're definitely representing a, a culture that's growing so i was happy very happy to to meet your acquaintance and, and stoked to be uh starting this podcast again with you yeah you know i we I'd been a little bit stalking you, you know, like you were on my radar too. I was like, what's this guy? Like a couple of years ago, I was like, I want to be a stand-up paddleboarding YouTube star. I wonder if there are any of those. And I was like, oh, there is some of those. So I got to work on my, you know, other aspects of becoming the YouTube star part. But I decided that the first step of becoming a whitewater stand-up paddleboarding YouTube star was to become the best whitewater stand-up paddleboarder that I could be. Yeah. So I dove into that part really hard and you definitely inspired me. Spencer Lacey for sure, sure inspired sure. me. Um, I was like, saw videos and I was like, oh, if somebody was taking my video, I think I would look like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that's been really fun to be like, oh, if, yeah, I could run that. I could run that. I, I see that on the internet. I could run that. So it's been. Sometimes that's all it is. I mean, you need inspiration. A person needs inspiration. Uh, and I think river paddleboarding in particular is a self-creative sport. So inspiration only goes far, so far. You actually have to, to be on the board. You have to be on your stage to do what it is. And I've been really happy with some of the footage that we got together on now of a couple of trips that have been out there. And you're, yeah. you're, you're on, uh, on some of the videos and some of the trailers that I do. Uh, so thank know, you again I, for being I was such so a great model. being a Sawyer commercial. I was like, what's there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right rocking the super stick <laughs> yes it's a great paddle by the way i'm giving it a plug here on the podcast if people haven't tried it out it's a game changer the super i'm really stick. pleased with it and interestingly enough i'm i'm, I'm in southern oregon right now i've been uh, doing some projects with them for the last month this is literally my last day i am publishing some videos right now uh they're they're going live uh to tell the the sawyer story so you're you're definitely a little part of that sawyer story yay thank you very much thank you multitasking i see you're probably got your laptop open and you're rendering right now while you're talking <laughs> to me i wish i could i wish uh, sometimes i do wish that this podcast was a video podcast I deliberately choose uh, a, a telephone version so that there's less stuff that i have to edit uh but yes mm -hmm. i am rendering literally i have uh, a screen and a laptop open and i'm <laughs> Surrounded by black for the best audio possible. I'm hearing some static, but uh, I think that's just my case. It's probably from my end. I'm just in my TV room. So there you have it. Well, I'm really, you know, pleased to see all your awesome work. It's great. 
Thank you so, very much. Yeah, we had some stuff we wanted to talk about, I think. Yes, you actually gave me a list. See, proactive. Right. You I'm like a Virgo. It, <laughs> the Virgo, I don't know I don't know too many about too much about the astrological signs. I know the Scorpios. I'm a Scorpio, but yes, you gave me a list of the things you wanted to talk about. I appreciate that. In the driver's seat, the books that uh, you read, uh, the the, <laughs> the secret yes. weapons of SUP from a dollar to sixty. Like I I have I have your email up right now, like right on. She really wants to be a part of the show and and, and well, and I didn't want to voice. get to the end and ha- have us not have talked about like my favorite piece of gear that's not you know in an NRS catalog. So I was like, okay, I just got to put this in here that I want to talk about random things and books so that he, we don't get to the end of our chat and have skipped them. So thank you for agreeing to put them in there. Speaking of NRS, have you seen the 2021 NRS catalog? Um, I keep checking my mail. It's not there. I'm going to blame that like post office guy that, you know, that messed things up. Well, I haven't gotten my NRS catalog. I don't know. Well, when you do and when, when the listeners do flip through it and you'll see something pretty interesting. I think the outdoor industry is pretty whitewashed. I've talked about that before. Uh, Unfortunately, at least here in the West, you don't see a lot of African-Americans on the water or on the snow or in the mountains. The NRS catalog has done a really good job this year to put the faces of of African-Americans, at least uh, in their catalog. Almost every page you see a person of color. And I think that's fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. You know, if you can see it, you can be it. You know, that's what I really believe. Like if you see something that either looks like you or looks like something that you can do, then you believe that you can go out and do it. And hopefully that will be facilitated more in our industry for sure. And have you seen people who look like you or being strong females a pretty common thing or are you an exception? Oh, gosh. Well, um, you keep telling me you think I'm an exception, but maybe it's just a, a, a southern southern girl thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't paddle with a lot of women. I, I have one really good paddle friend who also works at the Nolichucky, and she's been a class four raft guide for 30 years, and she's a great supper, Aylin, Aylin Fisher, mm-hmm. shout out. And uh, she doesn't love to run class four, so it's usually um, less than that. But yeah, I just mostly paddle with, with the guys, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not against the ladies, let's just say, but I'd love it if they came out with me and, you know, just paddled if you know i'd like to convert a couple of kayakers i have in mind i'd like to convert them i could just get my hands on them <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah unfortunately most of my paddling friends are guys so that's i mean i'm sure there are women out there charging i just need to find them and i don't have them in my phone and they don't text me like 14 <laughs> times a day to go paddling <laughs> so that's what my friends out here is just like oh all of my messages like you scroll through is all like where'd you paddle today when are we going next because we're all obsessed well so. i think i should introduce you to uh, rita boychek i actually have not met her in person but she's been a guest on the podcast before and we've uh, we've definitely we're we're social media friends up in british columbia she's yeah, really I follow her yeah she's really empowering for a lot of people and, and especially the women every every social media post she has she has a zillion people on the water paddling with her so uh you know that type of personality whatever it is you know it's very inviting it's very genuine it's very exciting and i think you have that too yeah, well, I, I definitely admire her. She's 
great paddler and she makes great videos and takes great shots and has really pretty teeth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, very, um, very yeah. bright. Yes. Very bright. Yeah, she with looks that bright smile. and bubbly. I know. Yeah. We've had women come to our sup workshop weekends at the USA raft. I've met some women who are really charging it. People who are like, okay, I've drank the Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm coming. Tell me what to buy. I'll buy it all. You know, <laughs> and that's a great feeling. You know, it just takes you a while. It takes a while. I mean, I can't expect people to be running class four in, you know, six months. I have met guys who have like never paddled before and then are so obsessed that they're running class four within like eight months. And that's scary. I, I think the women have a little bit more, um, like subtlety and just want to slow down and like a, conquer a skill before moving on or these guys are just like let's run class four it looks fun <laughs> so <laughs> well that that gorge that's on the nalachucky uh you know the class four gorge i suppose it is is super fun on a board i mean it's really accommodating uh for a lot of watercraft and it, it's technically challenging but it's it's a fun it's a it's a it's a fun section of water tell us about that river tell us about the u.s raft and and where you're where you spend most of your time on the water yeah, I spend a lot of time at the Nolichucky. It's in Irwin, Tennessee, at the USA Raft. is a, Well, that's the outpost, and I work as a raft guide in the Nolichucky Gorge. And I also work in the lower Nolichucky, which is the most friendly, like, kind of advanced beginner subsection. It's mostly class two with one class three, so I can work a class four raft trip, put my boat away, and meet for a sup lesson uh, that runs class two. And it's really awesome. It's the boss of USA Raft Matt Moses. He's really inspired a lot of people to join stand up paddle boarding. And I actually got my first atcha from him. Mm -hmm. It's one of those awesome nose cones, <laughs> nose cone ones. And um, it really transformed my paddling. So I thank him a lot for that. Thank um, you, Matt Moses. And Chucky is, yes. And then Elchek is a really special place. It's, one, it's a free-flowing river, so there's uh, above the USA raft is free-flowing, no dams, very little development. The stretch that we do raft trips and sup trips in is hopefully going to be designated a wild and scenic river. American Whitewater is working really hard on that. If you're an AW member, you've definitely heard of the Nolichucky. It is very scenic, big, tall cliff faces just beautiful scenery big rocks it's it's majestic um and it's really fun to stand up paddleboard and there's some fun waves and there's some fun rapids for sure and scary stuff first time i was there you uh you were with the the group that i was with and i just i couldn't stop filming you because you were you were pointing everything out you were definitely playing the the guide and what was it dolly's peaks dolly's peaks yeah, oh yeah dolly's peaks well yeah when you cross into tennessee so all the tennesseans don't like that all the biggest rapids are in north carolina uh -huh. raise up i'm from north carolina <laughs> and so you drive into north carolina you run a bunch of class four rapids and then this creek comes down and there's these two peaks above it and there are Dolly's Peaks and she's watching over the great state of Tennessee. She's the patron saint. And uh, yeah, so maybe she'll come out and raft with us one day. That would be epic. <laughs> that would be so awesome. But yeah, so yeah, I've always been a guide type. I worked at my godfather's rafting company when I was 14 years old, like inflating rafts and tubes and like making sure people signed their waivers and knew where to park and, 
you know, going inside and telling my godfather, we got 14 kayakers just showed up on a shuttle. And so I learned to drive the van and I could back up a trailer when I was 16. And uh, that's a real skill, by the way. So I, still don't have it. I still don't have it. <laughs> and then I worked on a little bit bigger river. And then I got into mountain biking. And I think it was because I was friends with a lot of mountain bikers and mountain biking was a cool thing. And I moved to Asheville and didn't spend so much time on the river. I was a raft guide and then became a mountain biker. And I surfed. I was a high, in high school. I lived for a year in Australia as an exchange student and I learned to surf. And the place I lived was like surf paradise. There were so many pro surfers who lived there. You know, Nat Young from The Endless Summer, like the famous poster with the two guys standing there in the orange the, from the set. 70s classic like image surf movie yeah that that, that was he a recruiting right poster for millions for of people he lived right yeah. next to you yeah he lived right down the street like i rode the bus with his daughter like that was mm. the place i lived and i didn't even know what i was getting into and i you know caught a barrel on a boogie board mm. and i was like oh my god what just happened to me something's changed so, in my life yeah things changed in, the, in my life and i was a river person I, you know canoed with my dad and worked at the rafting company, but SUP brought those two things together. I was like a surfer for a very brief time and then a rafter. So I knew how to read the river. And then all of a sudden I could surf on the river mm-hmm. and it was life, like just life-changing. I, I can't even, the, I remember the moment so well when I was like, I'm going to buy one of these used stand-up paddleboards from the Nanahill Door Center gaff sale. And it was like a 14-foot long or no, 12-foot long big plastic thing with like a touring board. Yeah, (laughs) a huge thing. And it probably had holes in it when I got it, but it definitely has holes in it now. And I still have it. And it had this huge fin, and I took it down class two, like, the first day. Like, (laughs) the first day. I ate shit so many times, um, but I couldn't stop. It was just, you know, I could go out with my dad, and he could fish, and Mm -hmm. I could just play around on this huge board. We'd run some rapids. You know, my dad's pretty good in the canoe, so he'd fish and then run a class two or three rapid and fish like in the middle of the rapid. So I was inspired. And, um, and then I got an inflatable an NRS inflatable, uh, the Earl and I paddled that for a long time. And then I was like, what are these hollow boards with this retractable fin? Oh my gosh, it's magic. And I had to have one and I saved up my money and, um, yeah, the very first day I got it, I was at the Nilichucky and I was like, I'm taking it down the lower. I know these lines and I'm just going for it. And I was alone. Don't ever do that, people. I was alone and it was like October. It wasn't cold, but I just, I'd never been so happy. I was like, oh my gosh. I swam like a couple times, but I had figured it a lot out by then. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about being I appreciate that about myself. I know that I have a different story because I grew up in the river community and I know knew how to read water when I was like, you know, a teenager. So, you know, I understand that people come to me and they're like, I want to do this thing. I don't see where I'm supposed to go. And I look at them and I'm like, what do you mean? You can't see where you're just supposed to go. Just follow the V's. Just follow the green tongues. Look at it. Yeah. All I and see is like, rocks. Ah! What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. All I see is rocks and white and sloppy stuff. And then they're like looking at the scary spot and drifting toward it. And then they sit down. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely know that I have, a, you know, an adva- had an advantage from the beginning. But um, 
that's why I like teaching because I'm like, hey, we figured all this stuff out for you already. You know, you can, you get the benefit of standing on the shoulders of giants. We figured out all this gear. We figured out like what the best sections are. We figured out the good lines, the, you know, optimal paddle length, you know, like required safety gear. Like you're not out there on, you know, the wrong kind of stuff. And it really helps. It just like gets people there so much quicker when you don't have so much trial and error. And I see people all the time and they just like, don't take a lesson and they just continue to look the same. And I'm like, come on, why don't you want to be better? Maybe they don't want to be better. I don't know. Uh, but there, there's a little bit of that and there's still, uh, I don't know what it is. So I've, I've, I've been doing this river paddleboarding thing for about a handful of years, a little over a handful of years, and almost all of it has been with a camera in tow. And I've done a fair bit of, uh, you know, self-video analysis and, and shooting others. And there's, there's something that's pretty consistent with me in particular is that it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look easy <laughs> until you're dynamic, until you're actually yeah. riding a board like you're telemark skiing or riding a mountain bike, like you're riding. This is a yeah, riding sport. it's not sport. like riding you, right? It's not like you're not letting the, the board of the river be the, you know, yeah. in charge. Yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's like a very subtle shift where you're like, there's always a little bit of control and it looks better on camera. And, yeah. <laughs> but there, there's some people that certainly make it look good. And I think you definitely make it look good because you do have like a, a big smile on your face and you have uh, an element of dynamics that uh, that's, that's really important. It is a slow moving sport. It's a, about a five mile an hour sport if you really calculate it. Uh, and there's a lot of strain wow. and stress and leverage for a five mile an hour sport. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize. I've never like Strava'd myself. I should really get with the data collection. You know, having a, a science degree, I should probably, you know, care about data collection a little bit more. Or not. Uh, or not. But yeah, or not, uh, all I know. know is when I just started paddleboarding, I uh, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't think it was a very efficient thing. Uh, and I entered some races. That's what I did back in the day. And I don't think there are really any paddleboard races anymore, uh, at least on flat water. Uh, and like, I would be on the verge of throwing up, you know, two miles into a race, just like sprinting the entire time or trying to, you know, losing, like I never won a race. Like I was always yeah. in the middle of the pack at best. And like, here I am just absolutely just ready to hurl. And I look to my right and on the shore, there's an old timer with a stroller walking himself faster than I'm paddling. And I'm like, oh, God. that's when I realized that, you know, this, this paddleboarding thing wasn't for me until I found that I could do overnight trips with it. And uh, with overnight trips, that led to moving water and rivers. So, Excellent. Yeah, that's funny that you say that about racing because I worked at a bike shop after college and I raced downhill and that's pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. And I was never like very good, you know, like I would maybe get second place, like be stoked with third or be stoked that I didn't mm -hmm. have a broken collarbone, sure. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, I love mountain biking. I'm going to do six hour rides in Pisgah and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I realized when I started paddleboarding that, I never dreamed about mountain biking or I never thought about mount, my mountain bike ride in the moments before sleep. Like I didn't, wasn't like processing and like 
going to my happy place. It wasn't on a bike, but I noticed about myself that once I started paddleboarding, it was like, whenever I wanted to be happy, all I had to do was think about paddleboarding and I could just trigger the happiness hormones and sleep. You know, it's just what I thought about when I fell asleep and it was like the first thing I think about when I wake up and it's funny that you say about racing because I started the year before last or maybe two years ago doing some whitewater racing definitely the only girl there sometimes Haley and Michelle some other awesome chicas who live in North Carolina would come out and um and in West Virginia I couldn't beat Megan Fisher, but that's okay. <laughs> and, um, but I like, I was like, Oh, I'm the only girl here, but I bet if I practiced a little harder, if I had a race board, I think I could do really well. And then COVID happened and there was no races. And so I just didn't race any, but I did do the Nolichucky beat the, beat the night race. And there was just three of us on subs and that whole thing. That was pretty fun. You are competitive. So, aren't you? Well, not so much actually. I don't think of myself as competitive, but like, I, I've never been good at something enough to be competitive about it before, Hmm. you know, like when, so maybe that's why I want to be competitive in this because I feel like I have it, but maybe I just need a little smack down probably like, yeah, some of, some of these other chicks who, who paddle bigger water than me would definitely spank me, but we'll see. Well, hopefully the, the, the spank is a big high five and some knuckle yeah. bumps and, you know, a spank on the rear for encouragement. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. What, uh, as, as a coach and as an instructor of river paddle boarding, uh, without giving a, a, a free virtual clinic, what, what, are, <laughs> what are a couple of things that you do to set people up for success? Well, the first thing we usually have people do is learn to get back on their, to fall in learn to fall in and get back up. And that's like the biggest block for people is getting back on and setting them up for success. Um, you know, just kind of explaining that it's, it is a learning curve. They're going to be falling. So we don't want them to get hurt right off the bat when they fall in. I guess the biggest part for me is I teach people falling. Cause we, we don't have super deep water. Most of the time we're in like 1500 CFS, southeast rivers full of rocks full of stuff so if somebody falls off and breaks an ankle right off the bat they're definitely not going to come back (laughs) so we teach them to fall flat so that's one of the things that i definitely teach people right off the bat and um i mean yeah there's so there's a lot to teach people to get them comfortable but i think it's fun to on the way there or on the water like chat people up about the sport while they're in it or in the before and after. For example, I had this job where the company didn't want me to talk about, uh, about paddleboarding on the way to the put-in. They wanted me to talk about like the restaurants and that, they, that we were passing. And I was like, let's get them fire their stoke. You know, we need they, to stoke they, their they fire. Can, they can buy their fried chicken anywhere. Yeah. They can buy, <laughs> they can yeah, I mean. advisor for yeah. restaurant recommendations. Yeah. I want to talk about <laughs> how much... How, and I think that showing people my love, it, anything that you do with love is going to be successful, more successful than something they can do without it. So if I'm showing lots of love for it, they, they feel, oh, this could, be, this could be me. So 
you know, firing their stoke. And um, that kind of brings me to talk about the one of the books I recommended to you. I don't know if we're ready to talk about that, but the book I what the first book I put on that list was Barbarian Days. William Finnegan, who's a journalist, wrote this book called Barbarian Days: A Surfing Life, and he remembers every wave he's ever surfed in his whole life it's crazy he talks about these waves he surfed when he was 14 growing up in california in the 60s then he talk he he remembers like the weather and how fast they were and how tall they were and what board he was on and la 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 and the like detail of that it brings you so close to the experience that you your brain is learning you learn from that person's experience so you don't necessarily even have to do it you're getting those neurons they're like the growth has started so reading something like barbarian days really inspires people to just it's okay to be really meta and really like you know focused on one thing that makes you happy because that's what happiness is about. It's not like you should, oh, you can't be happy because you picked like 400 different, you know, like you only picked one thing, like, or you should have picked 400 things. You know, it's like, it's okay if you just pick one thing to make you happy. You can just focus on it. So if you haven't read Barbarian Days, Paul, have you read Barbarian Days? I have not, Days? no. No, I'm, I'm looking uh, it up right it now. It seriously though. won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction. This is not junk, okay? It is... <laughs> amazing i lent this book to my friend brett and about two weeks later he called me in tears he was like that was the best book i've ever read and i was like i know <laughs> so read it even if you're not a surfer you should read it he's he it's he's a beautiful book and it's very inspiring so i definitely like i think that for beginners with their beginner lessons it's important to show that you tell tell your story and that's what this does. I hope that this reaches a lot of people and they hear the love and enthusiasm in my voice and think, oh, I want some of that. I want yeah. some of it. Uh, what are some of, yeah. it in, since uh, now I'll be looking at Barbarian Days, uh, what are some of William Finnegan's challenges? Why, what was the point of writing this book? What was well, the, the resolution at least? I, that's the thing. It's not. There's he had challenges. I mean, he certainly told stories of days when he's like in Portugal and he gets caught in a rip and he's out, you know, like boogieing down the coast and like trying to find a way to paddle in and he's alone, you know, and, or his buddy's got a cut or something, you know, he tells those stories. So there's the normal challenges of having an extreme sport as your life passion, which as river paddleboarders, we have those stories, you know, somebody breaks their paddle or, you know, like you rescue a kayaker and you have to carry them out, you know? So we have those stories and just hearing that another person can have a whole life of experiences and they just grow and get better. And sometimes they're on the, you know, the forefront of the whole thing. Like, I don't know if it's true, but he kind of claims to have discovered Tiopo, and mm. um, which is that like very famous wave, and um, so that's pretty cool. He talks about like going there on in like a little dugout canoe, and um, you know just the the 
the lengths of dedication that he went to in his life. You know, he'd be covering wars in East Africa and he would have his surfboard with him and he would go to like breaks in Tanzania and stuff like like but the day before he was a war correspondent and like getting shot at and stuff so and he would have his board with him so it's pretty a remarkable life the, the scene in movies I'm more of a visual person uh the, the scene in Apocalypse Now where there's a journalist surfer I wonder if that's based on him it could be I mean maybe I don't know. We should ask him. We should have him on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever thought about surfing in a river? Would you like to come to a place called Shithole in Ledges, North Carolina, in Alexander, (laughs) North Carolina? It's a great wave. And that's where you were at today, right? (laughs) Yeah, the wave is called Shithole. It's because shit gets stuck in there. The first time I caught the wave. Yeah, yeah, that's great. uh, You could go into this blue Tahiti wave or you could go (laughs) to Shithole, North Carolina. (laughs) Yep, shit. So uh, there, the first time I caught it, there was some some shit caught in the in the hydraulic, which is on the right side. It was one of those little kids' basketballs, and I'm paddling out there, and I'm like, "Huh, look, there's a there's a basketball in this wave. It's surfing. Oh shit, I'm surfing. Wow, I was like, here I am. I'm on the wave now. Woohoo! I'd been struggling, you know, and so you never know. Sometimes your wave is called shithole, and it just is what you needed. So <laughs> you also have Jaws on the Nalachucky. Yes, we have Jaws. It's it, it's a very good name for it. It's a class three, just river wide wave with this eddy that just sh- slingshots you out onto it, and um, it's got a big high foam pile on one side, and it's kind of hard to kind of fall down the foam pile onto this big slab wave and it's only about four to uh, on like normal flows it's like four to eight inches over the big slabs um and it'll really hold you in like it's almost hard to get off jaws it's such a munchy just pulls you right in and it's it's really beautiful if you've seen the aw calendar there's a picture of julie lang surfing it um it's really fun it's it's a little bit dangerous you know it's hard to get there there's like a class four above it and a class four below it, but uh, it's pretty beautiful wave. It's a landmark yeah. in the canyon with the the big rock that people uh, enjoy parking their boats on and and uh, having mm-hmm. a beverage or two. Yep, it's it's the place to hang out for sure, and just get up your cojones for a quarter mile, which is like four. Uh, it's like seven class four drops in a quarter mile. So yeah, that's fun on a paddleboard. <laughs> So, yeah, come on out, everyone. Paddle in, in Tennessee and North Carolina. I've done a fair bit of, of traveling, chasing this river paddleboarding thing uh, internationally, including Japan and New Zealand and uh, Chile. The Pacific Northwest is definitely my home area. Uh, I've really enjoyed some areas of Montana and some Idaho, but that Appalachian area of yours, uh, the the North Carolina-Tennessee border, I know West Virginia, Kentucky, there's some stuff in Georgia. I think, I mean, as as far as international destination goes... Your oh, yeah. neck of the woods is uh, is could be high on the list for folks. You know, any kayaker listening to you is like, duh. <laughs> I mean, just 
the area is like huge for kayaking, sure. you know, I mean, like my, in my neighborhood is like a bunch of pro kayakers sure. and, you know, so we're just like a step down, you know, we're not running that stuff, but you know, we, any, anywhere there's big stuff, there's slightly less. So we'll yeah, it is it. definitely a destination and we have a lot of good stuff. Great access, pretty clean water, good scenery. Yeah. It's easy. Easy access Easy from access. a lot of, and the interesting yeah. thing that you talk about, like the, the pro kayakers, uh, the, the general the general rule, I suppose, if you're if you're an aspiring creek boater, uh, a technical class four five uh, boater, you either live in Asheville, North Carolina, where you do, or White Salmon, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest on the gorge, where I do. Uh, and I have no interest in running class five creeks or big waterfalls or anything you like don't that. Want to? No, I don't want. That's I mean that's why actually that's interesting. No. I, that's why I paddleboard. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, I might want, want somebody to take my picture going over something really big, even if I don't make it. Like just the, <laughs> like the top. Like I see those pictures of Kobe Bach like going over that big thing, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he didn't make it, but that's a pretty cool picture. So I'm like does. scoping out some of these spots, and there's a couple people that I would go try some hooker falls and dupont google that one uh, I'm, I'm i'm eyeing it up y'all i'm eyeing it up wanna, so you I you are looking some. for the big things i'm and i on the I other mean, hand i'm looking I, I just like me i like me a class three I like a multi-day class, class three, three. <laughs> yeah no i'm telling you i love class three too and class four like scares me and i don't usually enjoy it and um well yeah I, I do it. usually enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it the same way. Uh, but I do kind of just want my picture uh, going over a big waterfall. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll have to do it in my raft instead. But, yeah. Yeah. The, the picture over the big waterfall, that's been a, that's been a controversy. People have called me out for doing that myself uh, earlier in and, uh, and taking photos of people who are doing it. They have been criticized for that's not encouraging, you know, safe practice. That's not encouraging the growth of the sport, all the mm. blah, blah stuff. But uh, m my days of the 10 plus foot <laughs> waterfalls on a paddleboard uh, were short lived. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, mine probably will be too. So, but I just, you know, I, I, I see it. I need to try it. You know, like that's the amazing thing about this world we live in that, I feel like a lot of these successes that of extreme sports, like Alex Hunold climbing El Cap, mm -hmm. of course mm -hmm. he put like a zillion hours in and like was very like brainy and thought about it. But like he couldn't have done that if like hundreds of years mm -hmm. of people had gone and figured out the stuff before him, you know, and he saw them doing it as a child and he saw them doing it growing up and like you see other people doing it, you can do it see it you can do it just just like repeat 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 and um climbing yeah, on the shoulders like you said earlier there. yeah standing on the shoulders of giants it's definitely one of my sayings so i'm and looking at no need to reinvent the wheel first you gotta figure out how a wheel is and was invented and <laughs> then copy it and then you can reinvent it and then add some <laughs> lights yeah <laughs> yeah add some lights and spoke spoke guards yeah. Um, so we did talk a little bit about kayaking and I mentioned one book and a lot of beginners come to me and they're like, what book do I need to learn about how to paddle a 
stand a paddleboard. And I'm like, okay, it's called Kayak. By William Neely. And they're like, huh? Yeah, William Neely. And if you don't own this book, everyone should own this book if they recreate on the water. It is genius. He was a cartoonist. He's actually from North Carolina. We get to claim him too. Uh, thank you. And uh, he lived in Chapel Hill and he was a mountain bike instructor, ski instructor, kayaker, and really funny guy, really nice. Um, and he wrote this book and it's, he's a cartoonist. So it's all illustrations of um, kayaking and how to approach a rapid and how to read a rapid. And it's, it's funny. It's super, super informative. And it, I think it's pretty timeless. I mean, he's been gone from this planet for a long, for a little couple years and i think that this book will continue to be printed for many decades because it's it's excellent it's called kayak william neely everyone needs to own a copy didn't he illustrate the the posters that are hanging in usa raft too like yeah of he the made gorge? a lot of river map posters and he would just just um they're really cool uh, he would write about each rapid. He would put little jokes. He would put some local history or notes about the put-in or take-out. And people used to color them or, you know, like make them. And he did, you know, a couple dozen rivers on the East Coast. Maybe he did some West Coast ones. I don't know. I have I have a handful of original ones, which is pretty cool. Um, the ones that were printed while he was alive. Uh and they're really, really fun. I think you can probably order them on the internet these days. But yeah, check them out. William Neely. And We Swam yeah. the Grand Canyon. Tell me about that book. Okay. Everyone should read this book. I am an American Whitewater member. And I read the journal cover to cover every time. And about oh, 10 years ago or so, um, they had this segment where they had book reviews and of course I'd read it and I read this book review for a book and I went to the library and they didn't have it. And so I had to special order it from a library out of state, like in our library loan to get this book that was written in the early seventies. And it's a true story of these two guys in 1953 or something like that. Like, long time ago that swam from Lee's Ferry through the entire grand, the entire length of the rapids of the Grand Canyon. And they had rubber shirts and wool socks and they carried ammo boxes that were covered in like rubber that were full of their food and they would like loop they had loops on them and they would like loop them over their arms. These guys were not like boaters. They were swimmer. Like they had like been on swim team. Maybe one of them was on swim team or something. And people had just, just started running the grand Canyon and like making it, you know, like making it out of there with their boats, you know, obviously like Powell went through and that famous expedition, but this was like, back when like maybe a couple dozen people had gone down in huge boats and made it. And these guys just jumped in with these ammo boxes full of Snickers bars and video equipment 
which of course they lost like all their film, like none of their, like very little of it. They actually do have a couple photos that made it. So they have proof, but their people thought that they were dead. And so they had this like big search and they stopped at Phantom Ranch to like get resupply and they got captured by the forest service or whoever it's the national park service. And they were like telling them they couldn't go back in and they straight up sweet talked the park service into letting them continue because they said now we've gone through hermit and crystal and all these like big crazy rapids they'd made it and they'd had some times man it is crazy stories but they were like if you don't let us finish there's going to be dozens of people trying to get a first descent swimming the grand canyon and and it's true now people do this um but they were the first and it's a crazy story they they would just try to read the rapid from above if they could but sometimes they would just get swept into it i mean it it's an insane story and it's completely true so everyone should read it i i found a copy i found it on amazon I think used copies are like between 30 and $40 because it's out of print mm. and uh, it's worth it. It's, it's a really awesome story. Who needs fiction when you have stuff like that? Have I you mean, been on the grand? I have, I haven't stand up paddleboarded it though. Like I'm telling you when I watched Andy's Andy Hinton's GoPro footage of lava falls, I might've peed my pants a little bit. <laughs> like uh, it looks insane i mean i did it from a big old raft and i was scared and i really want to do it on a sub because i'm like if andy can do it i can do it right andy or if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) you've got competition well uh, well there's always the competition and there's always the self-expression of it of course uh, spencer lacy has some great footage of him running it uh, naked on a paddleboard (laughs) oh yes yes (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't I I can't lie. I definitely looked at that photo. <laughs> <laughs> just to see the lines. <laughs> just to, yeah, I just mean, to know which way I to was run. Like, wow, look how wide his stance is. <laughs> <laughs> huh. He looks like he has a good center of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that water is cold. <laughs> that water is cold. But you know, at least it's deep. At least you know? it's deep, well, like yeah. around here you fall in you're like oh there's the bottom <laughs> so uh yeah so that's definitely inspiring seeing those guys i will run the grand canyon on myself you know andy said he's like you could ca- paddle the rapids but can you paddle the eddies <laughs> the, <laughs> like, the eddies oh, are yeah. legit <laughs> yes and that's what they talk about in this book we swam in the grand canyon how sometimes they would get stuck in eddies for like half a day or like hours mm-hmm. like they couldn't get out of them full of debris and stuff you know they would like get stuck in these like little side pocket canyons trying to swim out it was just brutal the you know i mean i can imagine getting stuck in it in a paddleboard and but swimming Whew. Mm. and I, I i say i recommend that book for stand-up paddleboarding because i know it's not about stand-up paddleboarding but you know what we do a lot of swimming stand <laughs> up, rapids. swim down yeah exactly so um sw- having confidence that you know there were some guys who swam the grand canyon with an ammo box you can swim this <laughs> class two or class three with a giant inflatable you know attached to you and you'll be okay 
<laughs> well, when I so. was when I was introducing my Canadian girlfriend to river paddleboarding, who I'll meet uh, in a couple of weeks in Hood River, yay! The U.S. border has been closed with Canada for over a year now, so I've, I've, I've seen her only a few times in person. But anyway, uh, when when I was introducing her to river paddleboarding, she thought it was great and she had a good time and uh, she was enjoying it. And one of the the bigger uh, rapids that I uh, have done clinics on. Uh, I waited for the last and see, to see if she would be interested. And I really, I always focus on challenge by choice. If you're, you know, it's your, it's your ball game if you want to play it. And she's like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't want to be on a board. I just want to swim it. And I'm like, all right, I've, I've never, well, I've swum it a number of times, you know, attached to my board. But uh, yeah, you just want to jump <laughs> on in, like, sweet. Okay. I'll, behind you, I'll be behind you on my board. And she just had the biggest smile on her face. And uh, rivers are dynamic, and, and you have to be yourself to, yeah. to be a part of them. And she felt better just swimming the rapid without anything yeah, but and, herself and, and her know, PFD. Knowing that, you know, knowing the things of whitewater swimming, you know, like, Go into it with knowledge. You know, I always say be smart, careful, and brave. So if you're going to do something, the first thing that you should be about it is smart. You know, like make smart choices. And then the next step is obviously we're not doing smart stuff. We're running class four rapids on a stand-up paddleboard. So then you got to be careful. There's risk right? management. So it's like There's take risk management your risk management lines. part. And then if that both of those things fail or they like the, you know, the, the soup is happening, then that's when you've got to be brave because you, you, you gave it all the smarts, you gave it all the care, and now it's time to be brave. So bring on your brave. And that's pretty brave, just swimming something. But if you swim it, then you know where the rocks are for when you, for the next time. <laughs> bring it. And we have a few minutes yeah. left. You have uh, a list of secret weapons. What, oh, what is a $60 Stooky Flex Bath? Okay, <laughs> we'll just go for the $60 thing. A so, flex, flexy bath? 60 yeah. Okay. So this, this is, bathtub? is, it's a bathtub. It's a baby bathtub. I actually got mine at a yard sale, so I didn't spend $60, but people should know that if they want to buy them, it's actually like the name is Stoke, right? Like S-T-O-K-K-E Stoke. So, I mean, it's gotta be good. Um, it's a baby bathtub. It's compressible. So it like accordions. So uh, if you're shoving it in the back of your car, it's not going to like crunch the corners of your bucket or if you're like, you know, so I, get it out of my car. I stand in this, I take my shoes off on the ground. I step into the ah. bathtub with my stuff on and I drop everything into this baby bathtub that's wet. And then I stick my shoes in there. And then when I get home, I can rinse it out. It has a drain plug in the bottom. So you don't have to like tip it up on its side. You can just drain it right out of it. This bathtub is a game changer. If you're using, you know, neoprene, dry suits, just wet gear, putting it in your life, you should have this bathtub. I mean, you should just have a tub. Everybody should have a tub. If you're a you know boater and you don't have your own tub, then who are you? That's weird. Um, so, but this Stokey baby bathtub, it's the most expensive thing on my list. You went straight for it. I went, I went right there because I had no idea what it is. <laughs> I have a, I have an idea what a dollar contact lens case is, but do you, what do you put in your dollar yeah. contact lens case? So this one was something that Julie Lang told me I had to include because I was like, I want to talk to Paul. What should I talk about? She's like, talk about your contact lens case. So I have a contact lens case in my PFD and it has ibuprofen mm -hmm. in, in one side and mm -hmm. Benadryl in the other. Sure. And it's waterproof. It's watertight. It's very small. And, every you know, you don't 
obviously you should have a first aid kit and all that sort of stuff, but just a little contact lens case, you can keep, throw it in the bottom of your dry bag. It protects the pills from getting crushed. It's better than putting them in like a Ziploc or something, you know, so they're not going to get turned to powder. Um, it's great. You should use one to put your, put your medicines in for well, safe. Well, what I use, uh, so first aid kit, like what is your first aid kit? So I have a, um, little pellet, the small Pelican box and inside it, I have, duct tape and um a fin and you know some other like tiny like other sub essentials and then i have uh, an epi pin uh lots of band-aids for scrapes and, and mm-hmm. burns um or you know rope mm-hmm. whatever happens little stuff um i don't have full you know i have a, sh- a finger splint in there um that's pretty useful um Benadryl is great for if somebody gets mm-hmm. stung by a bee on the, on the, you know, um, so just, you know, kind of revolves. Um, but yeah, just for mostly cuts, because sure. a lot of times people bust a knuckle or cut, cut something. And, um, and as a raft guide, so you know, good. you, you have your, your, your full kit with you, oh, but, uh, paddle oh, yeah. boarding, check this out. So I don't have a contact lens, but you know, those little fizz tablets, those like electrolyte tablets, Oh yeah, totally. they're yeah. waterproof. So I'll put they my sure ibuprofen are. and Benadryl in there, wrap that with mm. duct tape, and have oh. a micro Leatherman tool with me. That's my first aid kit. Yeah, I have a little Leatherman, um, like, well, it's like a Gerber thing, but like a little, little it's, just, it's tiny. It's micro. It has some scissors. Yeah. It has it has the needle nose plier in combination with some anti-inflammatories and Benadryl. So how many Benadryl? times have you used it? How many times have you used your Leatherman thing? Besides to, like, cut up an apple. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, well, I have I have another. My river knife is what I use yeah. to smear peanut butter and, and, and cut fruit with. But the the Leatherman, <laughs> the the it, it comes in handy. I mean, there's okay. you know getting the right. the 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 anchor nut out of right. the fin box or whatever it is. Um, yeah, you, I, 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 I use the, I use the little micro thing pretty regularly, uh, especially for overnight trips. Uh, yeah, okay, for a hot pot or whatever it might be, it is it is a thing that comes in handy for sure. But it, it's I consider it part of my first aid kit, and it's just you know it's a handy thing, and that's there. I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, and I had a big first aid kit to start off with until I met a NASA physician, actually a person who went into outer space mm. as a physician. Um, oh, and and I, you know of course asked what his first aid kit was, and he said you've got duct tape and bleach. That's his first ah. aid kit, and he uses the bleach to purify his water. He uses his duct yep. tape to, you know, you know, set wounds. And he's like, "That's mm-hmm. that's all I need." I mean, band aids are irrelevant, and you know, splints are irrelevant, and and bandaging is irrelevant. You have all of that stuff that you could improvise along your way. Like, huh? Fair yeah. enough. Until somebody has a broken finger and they're like, oh, sure. splints is pretty good. It's pretty small. Yeah. And I just have it in. I mean, I don't use it all. I don't take the pelican case everywhere sometimes i just pull the essentials out for sure but that little contact lens case everybody needs one so the other thing on my list that i really had to tell you everyone about is this amazing sunscreen because i spend all day in the water so i'm sure that you other people out there who spend a lot of time in the water you know that how burnt we can get and so i found this sunscreen it's called australian gold and it's tinted and it works with all colors of people and the cool thing about it is, is that it's zinc. And so it's that like white zinc titanium stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like the natural hippie stuff, but it's tinted. So you don't have to rub it in and you're not like standing there. Like you're not 
tempted to just put a little tiny bit on because you don't want to look like a ghost. Like you can squirt out like a full half ounce onto your hands, slather it on there, let it dry. And then you can spend all day doing water sports, like surfing, mm. like when I'm going in the waves and I'm rubbing my face repeatedly to get the water out of my eyes. At the end of the day, I have to scrub this stuff off. Hmm. It is that waterproof. It's a miracle. And um, the boys in my family use it. They're not ashamed to like use something that's tinted. I think that there's definitely like, oh, it looks like makeup. It's not it. It. It doesn't look like makeup. It just looks like that when you squirt it out hmm. and you put it on your face and it, it's, it's really awesome. So everyone should try this sunscreen. So those are my things that aren't like, you know, in an NRS catalog, but definitely you should try for, for water sports, my bucket <laughs> and that sunscreen. And I'm a bit older than you and I'm already seeing some uh, sun affected uh, pigmentation on my face. I don't wear enough sunscreen. What I find is that if I put sunscreen while I'm on the river, then my paddle grip is compromised. Ew. Yeah, don't do it then. You got to do it like in the like before you leave the house or mm -hmm. or yeah. <laughs> and like, and this this sunscreen <laughs> it's not like those ones that are like full of weird chemicals that make your hands really slippery. Like I don't think it would even do that if you were putting it on on the river. Like but put it on beforehand and and you won't regret it. It's really nice. And you don't have to reapply it all day long. And apparently you wear mitt gloves for warmth and for hand paddling. Yeah, so I recently got these mitts and I put them on the list because I I felt really so I've been prone paddle prone surfing so I paddle in, you know, prone and pop up and you've got these mitts on and it's not great for like unbuckling your PFD or anything, but I've carried kayak hand paddles before because I was afraid of breaking or losing my paddle on some like big creaky stuff. And I, I'm going to be carrying these mittens with me year round because I've been on paddle on trips and somebody broke their paddle and they didn't have us. We didn't have a spare who carries a spare sub paddle, right? Like we're not carrying spare paddles unless we're expeditioning. Mm -hmm. And then you have to take your shoes off and put them on your hands so that you can lay down and prone for the next four miles out of there. If somebody in your group has these mitts, it's like frog hands. Mm -hmm. It's just so much faster and more efficient to, and they're pretty small, you know, just like a pair of neoprene mittens. So they're going in my watershed bag for, for big trips, especially with large groups because They'll, they'll help someone one day. Maybe never, but one day maybe. I like it. So I'm going to reiterate the, the, the $3 uh, to $50 ones, your contact lens for, for uh, medicines in a first aid <laughs> kit, uh, your $10 Australian organics tinted face sunblock. I think that's a great idea. And your $50 mint mitt style winter gloves that double as hand paddles and if you're willing to pay 60 bucks to put your wet gear in you've got your stokey flex bath <laughs> flexi of bath all those things the the bathtub and the sunscreen like forget about the contact lens paste and the other things like look at this bathtub people it is very cool and maybe you know if you have a baby you could just get this bathtub and look like a really responsible, awesome parent and be like, oh, look, I got this cool Euro bathtub. But really, I'm just going to use it for surfing later. Like, put it on your baby registry, people. Maybe something like <laughs> put that Put it on for your you. baby registry. And, 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 and be warned, don't step on your baby to change yeah, your stinky clothes. Don't leave your baby in the car while you go paddling either in the bathtub. That would be bad. 
Yeah. Let me ask this. Women in the industry, just like we were talking about African-American representation, what are, you know, setting up people for success on a board is another thing. Setting up people for success in a, in a, in a culture that's often masculine. How, how would you encourage women to get into river sports, whether it be raft guiding or kayaking or even river paddleboarding? I would remind them that we are not very different from men overall. And they have to know that the sport is really dominated by men. So there's like a level of neutrality that you have to have to carry with you with when you're in it, because you'll do better if you don't go into it acting like any one woman man they them just go into it being like hey you're into the thing i'm into tell me teach me show me show up be respectful you know laugh at yourself and and tip for the ladies um whenever my period is really getting me down i definitely go paddling because it takes your mind completely off of it like no drama no cramping if you're exercising really hard it, it makes it better it's better than better than anything else um so yeah just go into it just as a human and not as a woman you know and be okay with the friends that you make being the ones that that show up for you like if I was like oh I only want to paddle with women because I only feel comfortable with women then I I I wouldn't have made these lasting loving friendship relationships with the people that I have because I put barriers on it. So don't put any, you know, expectations or barriers on who you're going to go with. And yeah, you're going to meet people that you don't paddle with a second time. That's going to happen. And, um, and then you'll meet people that you want to, you know, send text messages four times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Friends for life. (laughs) Yeah. So there's going to be that, you know, and don't be surprised if it happens because, um, when you, when, so with neuroscience, when you combine adrenaline with learning something new, it actually makes your brain grow in a, in a like childlike way. So as adults, we don't have a lot of these experiences where we're like combining learning with adrenaline, unless it's like in a sport and, you know, like, and aerobic activities. So, don't be surprised if you feel more um, sharp, you know, you're, you're growing your brain when you're trying something new and you're learning and you're combining it with adrenaline and, you know, the, the blue mind and the ocean, you know, the forest bathing and the river bathing like that definitely has a human need component. And it's like vitamins. It's all of those things mixed together are going to, grow you and grow your heart and grow your brain to embracing the sport. So that's what I'd say. Don't be surprised when you get smarter. (laughs) Be outside. (laughs) Keep moving. Whatever it is, be a a human and not, uh, you know, just a whatever that society tries to identify you as and box you in. Get on the river and go with the flow. Yeah, and if you get on the river and you're like, oh, I like river running, or maybe you really like surfing. I mean, people, like, there's niches in this stuff, too, you know? If you try a part of it, just know that there's not one thing, you know? Maybe you're really into yoga. 
Maybe you're really, you want to fish off your paddleboard. Maybe, you know, you want to go copy Kobe Bach and go drop a big waterfall, you know, like. He's into, yeah, he's, in, he's into big slides now. This is the year of slides, he I, says. I want to do that. That looks like fun. <laughs> I, I would, you know, I would be like hounding you to go if i were out there yeah oh yeah oh you, you would love it i mean and i'm on a, a section of rogue that has some really fun uh very walkable drops that you could just session all the time like grandma's but uh, all right me and my van yeah come on out. out come on out yeah uh but thank you so much for spending this last hour with me and for continuously reaching out and reminding me that i should uh continue my sub Paul podcast <laughs> you, you get into other things and I, I I began my podcast as a way to to escape from the the Oregon coronavirus quarantine a year ago and it was a really great thing and now I'm reminded that this podcast uh the podcast in general is a great way to just reach out and listen to people's story though thank you thank you thank you very much and thank was, you Paul yeah I, I look forward to paddling with you again soon I can't wait. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>